This is the Matt Townsend Show. I would suggest you forge more character. Your guide on the side. Uh, it's, it's these interruptions that are there to teach you the lessons we need to live. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. On BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Leanna Tan, here to give you some of Matt's best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. So just a little bit about me. I grew up with three sisters and a brother. And with four girls in the house, you can imagine that there was a lot of Disney princess watching growing up. But my sisters and I were talking the other day, and we thought it was interesting how almost all of the classic Disney characters, or at least the princesses, seem to come from so-called broken homes. Think about it. Ariel, Jasmine, and Belle are raised by single fathers. Elsa and Anna's parents are killed. And Snow White and Cinderella grow up in blended families. This backdrop of not very perfect families seems to make for really interesting stories, and it seems to be a large part of our culture. These mixed family dynamics aren't just fairy tales, though. More and more, they are becoming real-life situations. Today, there are so many blended and step families. But contrary to Disney's depictions, that doesn't mean that every step-parent is always wicked. Disney may have painted a picture that blended families means you might end up sweeping the floors for your step-siblings or that your step-parents will be these jealous, demonized people seeking the worst for you, but that doesn't have to be the case. I listened to this interview with Matt Barkdell all about how to make happy, healthy step-families, and one thing he said is that remarriage and blending of families is a sign of triumph and hope. So I want to play that interview for you today and have us all think about how we can create happiness in our own spheres, even when life throws each of us different situations and combinations to deal with. And we've actually had you on the show to talk about how to deal with people with chronic illness. Today we're talking about um, this step family kind of scenario and and the impact it has. First of all, Matt, do you think that the step family, do you think this is going to keep happening that people will divorce, maybe put together two blended families, and then we could have steps. You know, it used to be where that wasn't as common, but now, uh, especially with the recent statistics, oh my gosh, you know, uh, you know, some people say unfortunately, some people say fortunately. It just really kind of depends on the individual circumstances of what causes a family to, or a marriage, I should say, to to split apart, and whether it's through death whether it's through a divorce, you know, there's just some unpredicted things sure. that uh, take place. So is it here to stay? You know what? I really think it is yeah. here to stay. Uh, the, the trends, uh, I think, have plateaued for the most part. But, you know, recent statistics show, and I'm just kind of pulling this up as we're talking, you know, we're, we're dealing with definitely one out of two marriages ending in divorce. We've been at that 50%, and some would even argue that we are, you know, getting to 55, maybe 60. But right whether it's a majority or the not, but, uh, you know, out of two people, you would think that maybe one marriage may not work out. And it's, I mean, it's already complicated. Family relationships are already complicated just without steps, right? Without without having to bring in the history of ex-husbands, ex-wives, other problems, other issues. So um, that's complicated. Then, we we divorce or somebody passes away. We then blend these two families together. And um, it just seems like it's inherently more complicated than even just a typical relationship. You know, I appreciate the way you're talking to because you're right. When you have a family system, you are 
incredibly busy. You ask any, you know, what we call an intact meaning that we have the biological father, the biological mother, you know, the so-called uh, stereotypical family where there's no divorce. There's no more stereotypical family anymore, I should right. uh, point yeah, out. Right. Uh, that doesn't really exist because there's so many different forms. You know, if a family, mother and father are killed and, you know, the grandparents or the aunt and uncle or they're placed uh, in adoption settings, you know, but I, I really like what um, Neil Maxwell, the late uh, LDS apostle, said. He said that there are no perfect families, but there are many good families who are anxiously engaged right. in, nur- in nurturing and providing for their families, often against such heavy odds. And so you're, you're taking a situation like that, and I don't know what he was referring to so much, that mm-hmm. there are no perfect families, but there are good families. They, they try their very best. And sometimes, especially when you start uh, mixing, when you start uh, you know, trying to have a step family work out, sometimes you really get a great formula, great chemistry together, and it works out perfect. Others, ah, you know, as stereotypical as it might seem, a lot of the statistics back up that stereotype that step families really are going to have a, a harder time, not always, but sometimes a harder time, and sometimes are against heavy odds. You bet. Well, I mean, I just, because I do a lot of, like, relationship coaching and helping uh, families, you know, some that are deciding to divorce, and you're already divorcing, which a lot of times means you already have other issues, communication issues, conflict resolution issues. We then take those into other relationships. We're still dealing with the exes. They don't seem to go away. Um, of course. And, yeah. and you don't really want them to. One of the things, my, I have a relative that um, is, has, is a blended family. They have found it's just, it's kind of neat because in a way they have twice as many people worrying about these kids. Because mm-hmm. they've created a healthy atmosphere where after the divorce, the two went on, they moved on, they got healthy, and they've built four parents now that are worrying about these kids instead of just two. So there are some advantages. There's also some added complexities. What are some more of the complexities that seem to get in the way? I mean, I what are the things that you hear so many blended families you know, struggling with? I like your list. I think your list was perfect as far as that goes. Um, you know, some of them is trying to establish a new a place in a new family. Where do I fit in? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like the fact that I don't like, but so much that's such an element in. Okay, well, I family dynamics. Let's just kind of go that direction mm-hmm. for a minute. I'm the oldest in the family, okay? I have a special role. I'm the oldest in the family. Now, in a step family, there could be a chance where uh, sibling order uh, comes into play. Um, well, if I'm not the oldest anymore... Uh, well, where do I, I fit? Where do I fit? I used to be here. This was my role. Mm-hmm. This is how I live my life. And now there's this new... Uh, development that's happened where I am now misplaced. Now, you think birth order would not be such a big deal, but when you're used to a certain way of doing things and of being, and sometimes I'm thinking of my own daughters to keep saying, oh, man, I wish I wasn't the oldest. I wish I had an older brother or sister. She keeps saying that. And I said, "Eh, you know, unless we adopt one. I don't know if we're ever going to get Yeah, right, unless we find one on the street somewhere. (laughs) Exactly. So I I would say that's one of them, is just trying to establish a place in that new family. And uh, another big one, and I think you maybe have alluded to that in the uh, previous uh, list that you were talking about, but but it's 
discipline issues. Yeah. You know, when somebody's acting up, what's my role as a stepfather, a stepmother? Who's going to discipline whom? Exactly. Yeah, that that becomes a a real problematic thing. That's Uh, a problem in mm -hmm. non-blended families. Oh, my gosh. Like, you're disciplining our kids too too firmly. You don't need to be so hard. Be nicer. Be softer. Yeah, and now, of course, I mean, it's amazing that you can get a husband with a completely different background growing up and... uh, and a wife from a completely different background, and you bring them together as a family, you know. And yes, mm-hmm. they have different reasons and different ways about doing certain things. But that's the beauty of being able to actually let that work for you. Now, you get a situation where you're now blending a family, where not only do they come from different backgrounds, but different experiences in different relationships. Right. And so you're adding that component on top of it. And, well, where I was the disciplinarian, well, now I'm kind of backseated. I'm no longer the disciplinarian because, well, it seems like she's got that or he's got that more under control. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, communication in these kinds of situations is just, just crucial. <laughs> you know, it's funny just because, and again, my parents divorced, and I didn't, I didn't really have that, uh, those problems because— uh, my dad ended up remarrying, and she was great. And she, we actually he had a business, and he worked with her. So we would go to work at the business, and she was like part of the business and part of his life. And anyway, it's been great because she's always been there. And I, but I look at families where if other and no other kids were involved, but other kids, I would think that I'd be really jealous. Like you're saying, almost about, hey, I used to be the big guy. I used to be the stud, and then this kid comes in, and he's a year older, so now he takes my position. Or Mm -hmm. if you're the daughter who might naturally be competing anyway for dad's attention, and now all of a sudden you're competing with your stepmother for this guy's attention. And I guess it could be the same with males as well. No, absolutely. It goes it goes both ways, certainly, because, you know, you think of the dominant and you want to be and remain a dominant force, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and you that there's there's certain elements. And there's also some research that has been poured into quite a bit. But there's different stages that new step families go through. Uh, you know, they, they start almost in kind of a fantasy stage mm-hmm. where they're not really acknowledging how tough this really could be be. All they know is they get along and, my gosh, this is an opportunity. It's not, a, it's not a positive thing the way that this is thought of sometimes, but here's an opportunity to reclaim my position and, and, and give it in a go again. You right. Know, this a is, new start. I'm, this is a new start. I am going to get it right this time. Uh, you know, all those <laughs> different, uh, you know, kinds of mentalities, which, of course, you want to do. You want to, you want companionship. We are social creatures as human beings. We want to be with somebody. And Absolutely. when that doesn't happen and it falls apart, well, you know, unfortunately, sometimes people get to the point where it's a rebound. It's not necessarily, will this work out? Well, it might. It could. Right. But will it? See, that, yeah, we'll uh, it's find not well out. thought through. You know, lots of different things to consider with step families, but for the most part, yeah, there's there's different levels of problems. Some experience problems, others don't. But it just kind of depends on what uh, what's happening. But the yeah. thing is, is it works. Yeah, it, it was, really can work. Well, it, they can work, and they can they can thrive. And many times, it's it's really good 
for some of these stepkids because they finally get out of certain situations that weren't ideal or healthy. They get a new view of what, you know, another new role model in their life. So what I'd like to do, Matt, is take a break. We'll come back. Perfect. So we'll come back with Matt Barkdale, licensed marriage family therapist. We're talking about step families, blended families, and uh, taking them to the next level, making sure we're healthy as we're uh, trying to make these transitions in our life. We'll be back right here on the Matt Townsend Show, BYU Radio. We're listening to an interview with Matt Townsend and Matt Barkdole about creating a happy, healthy step family environment. In the last segment, Dr. Barkdole kind of laid out the complexities of blended families, like trying to find your place in a new family. If you were once the oldest child and you were calling all the shots, it might be hard for you to suddenly be the middle child and other people are suddenly calling the shots for you. So how do you fit in? And kind of to go along with that, this idea of discipline is kind of hard to adjust to, especially as a parent. If you were used to disciplining your kids one way or even disciplining yourself in one way, but your new family was raised completely differently with a different mindset of how discipline should work out, how do you find a happy medium? So in this next segment, Dr. Barkdale is going to give us some tips for how we can have realistic expectations and learn to love new family members we probably didn't even grow up with. And so we've brought on our licensed marriage family therapist, Matt Barkdale, uh, who's trying to help us sort through this. You can make a, a healthy, happy step family or blended family. Is that right, Matt? Oh, my gosh. It's I common. Would I would hope it is. <clears throat> yeah, And, you know, our culture is kind of funny. It's actually interesting. As you were going through the uh, Disney list, I just thought, okay, well, I'm just curious how many of them uh, either have a single-parent situation for whatever reason or a step-family. And I kind of went through a list here, and I just thought, well, Toy Story, you you don't see a dad. You know, I'm not sure what the deal is. Of course, Snow White and Cinderella and, uh, you know, a parent trap, that's that whole theme is yes. about, uh, you know, trying to get two uh, previously married uh, parents back together. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I went through and noticed that uh, Hercules, you know, that's a step-parent situation. Didn't find out he was, a uh, you know, really the son of Zeus. Yeah, Zeus. I mean, on. yeah, how do you marry Zeus? I mean, I even, I even went to DuckTales, and I thought that was kind of cute, you know, <laughs> living with Uncle uh, Donald and Uncle Scrooge. And, where do all these parents go, Matt? I, I don't know where the parents go. You know, uh, Dumbo. You know, I'm not sure where Daddy Elephant, maybe that's just tradition he in the poached. elephant world. I think he got was killed. He poached? No. I, I, I really believe in the movie he was poached, wasn't he? Yeah. I think that was, I, maybe, too bad. maybe not. But um, it's it really it's interesting because maybe too that's kind of telling us something of the fifties or whatever when a lot of these were made or sixties I guess that that maybe we didn't we kind of saw that that was the anomaly family the family that was the outlier that wasn't normal and um, maybe it also makes a good story it, it does make a good a story. Very- yeah, it also makes a good story, so there's some uh, compelling reason to say, hey, let's make something uh, pretty dramatic here, and let's just give them one parent, or let's yeah. give them, 
you know, have somebody steal the daughter and, you know, do all that fun stuff, you know, because of storytelling. But it's interesting, though, that you're, you're right. The very first uh, Disney shows didn't uh, see much of a two-parent family there. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. It's all Disney's fault. Culture. <laughs> hey, by the yeah. way, I just if, just while we're on the topic of Disney, I did see that Darth Vader was riding a ride at Disneyland. I don't know if you've seen the news, but he's, you know, Disney is now owns Darth Vader and Star Wars and that whole um, trademark. And so, but now you'll see Darth Vader on all the rides. He's just, he's just having a lot of fun at Disneyland. Don't they own the Beatles as well? I'm trying to remember You know what? I think they're taking over the world. I think they are. Yeah. One little uh, (laughs) iconic group at a time. So... Matt, as we're into this, tell us. Okay, so if if you're if we have a listener out there that's just like, yes, we're having we're struggling with our our family. What what advice do you give? What are the things that as we're trying to blend these families that we should be focusing on? What are some realistic expectations? What are some things? Honestly, it'd be better to just know not to do. I, I you know there there are several things that. This is such a well-researched area that I, I hope people in and maybe struggling with uh, within a step family can know that there are just so many different organizations out there to, to help step families. You know, especially ones with uh, you know whether there's children issues or it's really conflicting with the new relationship. I mean, unfortunately, uh, recent stats show between 60 and 66 percent of remarriages end up in divorce. Mm. And, uh, you, you know, that's the recent uh, vital statistics. And so we're, yeah, when we're talking about uh, Neil Maxwell's, uh, you know, there are no perfect families, but against such heavy odds, we're really reflecting on this population. Yeah. But uh, can it work? Absolutely. And one of the things is something that you kind of alluded to earlier, Matt, was uh, manage your expectations. You know, remarriage is not a replacement for a first marriage or right. a second chance to get a first marriage right. There, there, there are too many other factors being played out here. It's, you know, a new, got, it's a new entity. You have to go in it. It's not a redo. You got to go in it with what you got, right? Exactly. I mean, remarriage and blending a step family is, is not like baking a cake. And say you take your first stab at baking a fancy cake. And you blew cake. it. <laughs> Yeah, the first time around was very complex as you awkwardly contrive, you know, the final product that looks absolutely nothing as you envisioned. Right. However, the second time around, you want to seek redemption and want to prove to the world that, hey, you're going to get that right, thinking, by heaven, I'm going to show them. And that's, you know, that's just something negative. It's not a replacement. The, the remarriage is not a replacement of the first marriage. This is a brand-new relationship. This is not a rebound thing. This is your life. This is hopefully till death do you part. You know, that mentality of saying we're in this for the long haul. It demands some creativity too, doesn't it? Like it's, oh, doesn't it? Yeah. Maybe it's going to end up being more like a trifle than just a cake. So maybe we're going to cut the cake up, <laughs> put some pudding on it, put a little salt. I mean, like make it into something else. You're bringing the kids. I love the idea of this kind of blowing up the perfect myth because the perfect family doesn't exist, as we've talked about, but it's almost it does if it exists in your head that there's a certain way that things have to be. And yeah. like they don't have to call you dad. The, 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 the new the kids don't have to call you dad just because you're in the house now. I mean, there's certain things that can just happen as they happen. They don't need you to be forced. Thank you. And you know what? It's interesting that actually a family scientist, his name is Dr. Jay Bray. Uh, B-R-A-Y, 
he said something very profound, and I think it deserves some serious consideration. He, he, he says step-parents who at least initially define their role with the stepchildren as that of a friend yeah. are usually most satisfied. They're, they can't replace biological dad, you know, but if they see themselves more of... Now, now you know, the, the children might actually be very partial to be saying, you know what, you're more of a dad than my other dad was, right. or, or mom, or right. whatever the case is. But the thing is, just going into the relationship with the new family, just more as a fatherly, uh, non-fatherly kind of figure, that I'm a friend. That uh, Well, which you know, is perhaps... a great advantage, because, you know, as a parent, we just can't just be, we can't be their friend. We've got a parent. But as a step, maybe that is a role you could actively take is, you know what, I'll be your friend. I'm not going to enable you to be dangerous. But deal with, talk to your mom about that other stuff. Let me just build a relationship with you for a while. Perfect. And, you know, that kind of leads to some of the other things that we uh, encourage step families to consider. Uh, instead of going into a new relationship as a new uh, step family, one thing that parents are encouraged to consider is that the biological parent should handle most of the disciplining at first. Yeah. Well, at that, first. That seems like a no-brainer. That's like playing with the third rail in the subway. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't want to, that's just, that's just going to hurt you. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's the thing is that, you know, it, you are taking you know, the friend role is something negotiable. I mean, a lot of people right. have problems with that because, no, they want to be seen as a parent. But, again, it just seems like with research that the more that they can initially come in as a friend and at first let that biological parent handle. Yeah. But you have to also at the same time juggle that a little bit to show that you're a united front. Right, exactly. As time passes, the children will see the couple's united front and families come to a clear agreement of how children should be reared. I mean, if they see a crack between you and your partner and it's not united, you know they're going to get in that crack. And they're they're going to start working the crack. Yeah. And that's the thing is that if you have that united front and allow the biological parent to handle most of the disciplining at first, you know, Mm -hmm. they'll become more and more of a relationship. It's just like, you know what, I'm not going to tell you right off that I think you ought to lose weight. First of right. all, you'd, you'd smack me in the face if you never met me before. Yeah, let's get to know you first. Hey, hey, hey fatty, you know what? Hey, you by, really need to. By the uh, way, Matt, how did you know? <laughs> you know I what? Uh, I got a video phone, actually, and uh, buddy. That is so rude. Come talk, come talk to me. You're so no, offensive. <laughs> so, yeah, you're saying you're not just going to throw out the correction. You're going to get to know me first, I guess, too, so you can eventually learn how to correct. If you want my correction, you'll learn about me. That's right. I, I want to learn about who you are. I, I know you. I understand you're the child of the person I fell in love with. And frankly, I, right now is not my intention to be able to tell you what to do. Yeah, I love um, that. It, it's, it, it, it's managing expectations. And honestly, that's probably more what they need right now is a friend in a way, uh, just some a safer expectation. Matt, we're going to take a break. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We're uh, going to be back right here on BYU Radio. Thanks for 
Talking With Us. I'm Leanna Tan, and this is The Matt Townsend Show. We're finishing up an interview with Dr. Matt Barkdale about happy stepfamilies and how to work through some of the complexities that come with blending families. And one thing I like that he stated from the very beginning is that no family is perfect. So don't get down on yourself thinking that you got handed a more challenging family situation than others around you because every other family is thinking that very same thing. He also reminded us to manage our expectations. Remarriage isn't a replacement for your first marriage. It's something brand new, something that you can learn from, start new traditions and practices and improve and build together with your new partner. But for this last part of the interview, Matt and Dr. Barkdale discussed this question, is remarriage for everyone? And maybe an even more difficult question, if you do remarry, how do you healthily involve your ex-spouse in your life? Okay, now, my friend, uh, so we've got to kind of manage our expectations better, make sure that, you know, we're realistic about what can be expected. Another little bit of advice you gave us is it is okay just to be friends. We don't need to start out as a parent where we have to go in and just start parenting. Maybe we just build the relationship first. That's right. That's right. I think you did that great. And, you know, to to the fact of step parenting and everything, I, I like what Samuel Johnson once said. He said that remarriage represents the triumph of hope over experience. Hmm. And I think that a lot of people hate the whole label, I'm, you know, these are my stepkids, and these are, you know, this is this, this is that. And it's okay to, you know, feel that, you know, this, this isn't exactly how I imagined my life. I, I never thought I would be a step-parent. I never thought I'd have a step-family. That's just so new to me. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is a wonderful, wonderful triumph over yeah. past experience. It really can be. And honestly, I mean, there's there's some, uh, you know, radio hosts that would actually tell you not to remarry. Just don't remarry. Just let your kids get older. Get them out there and don't remarry. But I personally believe um, instead of just like putting off everything, why don't you go learn how to do this pretty well and get good at it? Because I think your kids deserve to see you becoming healthy and strong, and they deserve to also see a healthy side of, of parenting, not just a single parent. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's very true. And again, um, <clears throat> if, if you want the best for your kids and uh, to, to give them those healthy models, well, absolutely. Now, but it does, you do have to manage the reason why you are engaging in dating. Do you, do you truly want to be married again? You know, yeah. is this something that you have uh, passion about, or are you doing it for an ulterior motive for your kids? As much as and as worthy and as you know, uh, extending our hearty congratulations, go for it, yeah. type of thing. It's not for the right reason. Right. You, you want to do this. You don't want to do it just for your kid. You want to do it for yourself. Yeah. You want to be healthy. You also, you also don't want to just be doing it because you can't make it without others. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want to be dependent and then or codependent. You want you want to be strong. You want to be doing this as a choice, not just as a have to. Right, right. And uh, as I mean, if those stats are really true, the sixty to sixty six percent of you know remarriages uh, ending up in a divorce. Well, if, if those are true, then well, the fact of your marital status is not going to change. You know the lessons learned. Right. 
with the past. We, I would hope that people would be more inclined to think, okay, what did happen back then? And, you know, if professional intervention is necessary or if you want to do some premarital, um, you know, therapeutic sessions or, you know, what have you, it might be a good idea. Just, I mean, there's great pre-assessment assessment tools out there to be able to say, you know, what, what are things that you're more inclined to do and how can we really work this out? Uh, there, there's a great, just like I said earlier on, there are so many resources for uh, step families, as yeah. well as uh, couples thinking about getting remarried and so forth. I think there's just a lot to be said for looking at this in that perspective. What are some other rules that you see that might be helpful with uh, the, you know, the third parent, the other parent, the the ex-spouse? How do we effectively involve them, and and what are some boundaries that maybe need to be set there? Each, each are individual. Uh, unfortunately, divorce can potentially be a very bitter thing, which is probably the worst uh, ingredient to put mm-hmm. in to you know, a relationship because you're, you still have to be cordial with that spouse. Right. You still have to have some kind of uh, you know, congeniality between the two of you. So the thing that we, I would hope as far as it goes, maybe it's too late, maybe it's not. But even if there were some feelings, uh, which there normally are, yeah. but if you can somehow resolve that, no, we're not getting remarried again, but we are going to see what we can do to manage, especially you know couples with children. Uh, that has to be worked out very, very carefully because, again, we want to make sure that those kids have a healthy understanding. We still see some cordialness between, you know, ex-parent yeah. or, well, I, I'm sorry, ex, uh, ex, ex-spouse, or else it's just not going to go anywhere. So I hope that one of the first things that's considered is to be able to rectify any kind of uh, negativity. And that's going to be really hard. Why did they divorce in the first place? Was the divorce proceedings bitter? Was there a huge uh, custody battle? Those don't suit, sit very well because no. that, 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 that biological parent out there is going to still be present in their lives. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, when my parents divorced that every Christmas morning, I, I believe until I was probably 17, 16 maybe, well, maybe not that many, um, my father would show up at our house on Christmas morning and my mom, my dad, and my grandma, my mom's, my dad's mother, would all be there for when we opened our presents. So my, they, they were actually letting my, my father was still coming back to watch us open presents. Right. Which was yeah. a really, and I honestly, I didn't realize what a big deal that is. But that's a big deal uh, that my parents were able to at least put on their happy faces on, you know, the biggest morning of the year every year. And um, yeah. basically get out of the way and let and just serve their kids that way. But that was yeah. that was meaningful. That was important to them and to us. And, you know, so it's it was probably it would have been more difficult if one of them had remarried quickly. And but anyway, it's I, I guess that's kind of what you're saying is we've got to we've got to build some relationships with them. We've got to be more mature than we were in the divorce if it got ugly and put maybe put the kids first. Yeah, no, that, that's great. And this is a time to be able to put those kids first. This is when you put yourself in the back seat. Right. This is when you put your this is the situation where you put those kids in the first seat because it's their perception. The fact of the matter is is that divorce although unfortunate for for you mm-hmm. growing up, 
I like what you said earlier is, well, down the road now that I think about it, yeah. you know, and which kind of denotes to me that I had to really think about that. That was a good thing. Yeah. But to you, it was just kind of a natural thing. Dad's coming over to watch us open presents. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's, cool. that's it. I mean, that, that's the reality, it seems like, of all of this is someday, that's my rule, is everyone's going to be 30. And when they're 30, we all kind of, it dawns on us that our parents are just grown up kids. And you're like, whoa, they're just kind of like me. They're not these superstars. They're just kind of like me. So it, I guess my, my rule of, is that we always want to remember the 30s. Well, they're gonna, our kids are going to be 30. They're going to know if I was a manipulative step. They're going to know how connected I was or I wasn't. I mean, that's another thing it seems like about step families is, you know, even if it's hard for me to deal with your kids, if I love you, then mm-hmm. I need to learn to love your kids for your sake. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love you enough that I'm going to love your kids. And yeah. if I don't necessarily immediately have that love for them, I'm going to grow the love by just, you know, transferring some of the love that I have for my partner to her kids. You know, I, I like that. And actually, it reminds me of a, a website, and it uh, talks about it's kind of a support uh, for step families, lots of resources and things. Uh, one thing that really uh, stood out to me when I was looking through that uh, the other day was a statement saying it's, it's okay not to like or not to like as much your stepchildren as your biological children. Mm-hmm. It's, it's okay. You're still trying to get to know those kids yeah. as well. Now, do you love them? <clears throat> yeah, you, you want to love them and everything. Now, do you feel more inclined to really love your own kids? Well, yeah. Sure. Yeah, you, you do. Yeah. But I, I think, like you said before, and I think what we've talked about earlier is well, I think managing the feelings that we're having and feeling like, okay, am, am I, should, should I be feeling this way? Uh, I, I still like my kids better than your kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's okay because there's that biological connection and, mm. you know, that, that just means a little bit more to you. So when you're feeling these kinds of things, I, and sometimes you do need some professional uh, assistance if necessary or a good support group just to kind of validate the feelings that you're having. And, uh, you know, hopefully that would be able to give you a little more clarity that, you know, it's, it's okay to feel certain things. See, I think that's right on. And I, and I also think a lot of this just goes so back to what expectations are. I mean, we, to me, we grow love. We always kind of just think it's this inherent feeling with our kids that, oh, I just love them so much. But, you know, there's certain times as a parent where, you know, it's easy to love a cute little two-year-old that's asleep in your arms. That's really easy. But that smelly teenager that just got off out of football practice that's sitting in the backseat of your car that spells that spills his um, Gatorade all over your backseat, I'm not feeling a lot of love for that kid. especially no, no. And, and when he's not mine and he's like my wife's kid, now I'm really ticked. Yeah. But the irony <laughs> is I think I guess the love doesn't have to be this inherent feeling. Maybe the love is just when I serve you, when I take care of you, when I grow with you, I start to change. And that change might just be called love. Yeah. I think uh, in December, I think uh, one of the topics is, is using humor to deal with some of yes. those life-complicated matters. And, you know... It's really how we see things. Uh, I do like Marjorie Hinckley, the the wife of uh, Gordon B. Hinckley. Yeah. Uh, her her take on a lot of things. It's actually kind of refreshing to see. Now, again, she wasn't trying to mask anything. I think this is really truly her personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, when things get hard, well, yeah, you can take it a couple of ways. When it's difficult, when you have the smelly kid in the back, or if you know the they they stain. 
<laughs> the new brand new plush carpet yeah. with uh, grape juice and all that. You know, sometimes you just have to go in the other room and scream <laughs> and do something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, I mean you've, you've got to deal with some of these things, but sometimes in step family situations, sometimes it's good to find the humorous times. And I have done that. I'm not in a step family myself, uh, but there have been many times where I could have just flew off, just flown off. What's going on, right? Yeah, what is going on? And there was one time in particular where we were struggling as a new married couple. We had no money. And what ended up happening was the most the strangest thing is that I got into the serious giggles. I could not stop <laughs> it. It was just going forward. And, you know, when we started making jokes about, you know, let's put our quarter in the bank and, uh, you know, after a <laughs> few months we'll, you know, have enough money to buy butter for our 25 cents of popcorn. I mean, right. we just, both just giggled back and forth to each other until, and now we, we, we don't want to mask anything by any means, but we do want to be able to say there are times to be able to, you know, sit back, let's not take life so seriously, but let's be able to t- take our bumps and bruises as they come. They'll come they will. like anybody else. They'll come. They'll be stressful moments and, you know, we can expect that part of managing our expectations. But, you know, at the same time, we've just got to be able to face reality and just saying, look, you know, sometimes we just need to maybe laugh our way through a few things. Not all things, but a few things, I think. Yeah. Totally agree. That way. You nailed it, Matt. Matt Barktel, licensed marriage family therapist, giving us a leg up on how to raise uh, our families if we're in a blended family. And honestly, just great advice for everybody out there. Matt, thanks for joining us. We're back with the rest of today's Matt Townsend episode. We just finished an interview with Matt Barkdahl about step families. In the last segment, he gave us some wise words. Contrary to the Disney depiction that stepmothers are wicked witches and that blending families maybe isn't the fairy tale ending, remarriage represents the triumph of hope over past experience. And that is such an inspiring thought to me. But... Matt and Dr. Barkdahl also warned that you shouldn't remarry just out of obligation to your kids or just to feel less lonely or just to be able to depend on someone else. While those all aren't necessarily bad reasons to remarry in the big picture, deep down your core reason should be because you want to, because it's your choice. They also talked about involving your ex-spouse. While in some cases that may not be a great idea, sometimes there are ways to have peaceful unions with your children and your ex-spouse that don't have to be a chaotic mess every time. And that's why I wanted to play this interview with Brian Willoughby to close off today's episode. He isn't specifically addressing divorced couples here, so I think this message can really be applied to any family situation, whether you're a blended family or not. He is going to teach us beneficial ways we can have disagreements with our spouses. There's there's a difference between conflict and conflict resolution. Yeah. And every couple has conflict. It's about how you resolve the conflict that matters. That's huge. Um, I, I actually think one of the biggest things here, it seems like a really small thing, but I think it's huge. It's humor. Yeah. It's it's not 
letting, because one of the things that happens when we have conflict and disagreements as, as a spouse is we get a lot of emotion, a lot yeah. of negative emotion, and we let it build. Uh-huh. And, and that's when all the, the negative stuff tends to happen. And so if we can bring humor in, now when I say humor, I don't mean like Sarcastic, cynical, yeah, ugly, sarcastic dark. comments towards your spouse, <laughs> but just laughing about things mm-hmm. and, and, and keeping things light. That, that's a huge thing, especially if kids are around and they're hearing us have a disagreement. If we kind of joke with each other, yeah. um, that's huge. Because, we do that. Like, so do yeah. you hate me? I'll right. go say, I'll go ask my wife, so do you hate me now? And she's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a joke and it breaks the ice. Right. And then you can kind of address, no, I'm just mad because you. Yeah. And it sends a really powerful message to kids that we just disagreed and we had a little conflict, yeah. a little argument. But it's not a big deal at all. No one's going to die here. Because kids might inherently go to divorce. If their friends' parents are divorcing, they might be thinking, oh, man, my parents are going to divorce. And the other powerful message it sends is that we disagreed, but I still like you. Because if we have humor, there's this uh, assumption that we still are playful and like each other. That's a pretty powerful message. No, that's huge. And that could be humor. That could be even affection still turning towards each other, the turns Mm -hmm. and the bids towards each other. Right, yeah. Um, I think another really powerful thing in terms of modeling things for kids is as parents, a lot of times we're pretty good at coming up with systems for parenting, you know, yeah. your chore charts. Right. And we sit down as a family and we have a family meeting and say, okay, here's, we we want to work on bedtime or we want to work on cleaning your room. And, and we try to model, okay, here's ki- here kids, here's how you do that. Yeah. We don't do that as much for marriage, even though a lot of us in our marriage sometimes right. will have little things, we'll sit down and say, we need to work on our relationship. Let's try this. Yeah. But our kids never know that it's happening. And it's okay to let them in on some of those things. Right. Like, you don't have to let them in on, you know, hey, mom and I are having some disagreements about sexual frequency. Right. Well, I just want to let you guys know. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up. Yeah. It's your mother. Um, yeah. But, you know, let him, I was actually thinking about this this morning. My wife and I, one of the things that, that we came up with a while ago is, you know what, let's let's try to come up with one nice, unexpected thing that we do for each other every day. Cool. Um, and we started doing that. And I was just thinking about because we've, I was mentioning to you before, we've been on vacation. Yeah. It's like, I should start doing that again today. Um, but that's a great thing to do my kids know. Right. That my wife and I are doing that. That's, I should let them know that. And yeah. it's not necessarily about a disagreement, but it helps them know that we're working on our relationship constantly. Or even, even just going on a walk, just mom, mom and I are going to go, we've got to go talk something out on a walk. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Stephen Covey used to get on a little um, scooter, trail bike kind of thing, and he and his wife, his wife would get on back, and they would go talk. Mm-hmm. So anytime they needed a talk, yeah. they're, they're like, we're going on the trail bike, and everyone in the family kind of knew, yeah. okay. Yeah. And again, that's great with Work topics that maybe you don't feel yeah. comfortable talking about in front of your kids. Again, just letting them yeah. know that that – you know, hey, we're going to go discuss this, or we had a discussion, and cool. or we need to go on a walk. You know, whatever right. it is for you, it doesn't matter how you do it, but letting the kids know that there is a disagreement. Stuff's happening. We're you talking. talked about it, and everything's fine now. So, and when you can, just do it in front of them. Yeah, exactly. And another thing I'll add to doing it in front of them, another huge thing here is validation. Mm. Validating your partner, which basically means telling them that you value their opinion that you care about what they think and how they're thinking and how they feel, letting your kids see that, that even though you disagree about whatever it is, that you still value what That's they're huge. saying. That's a huge thing. Just because you can so inval- quickly invalidate by being negative or talking over them and right. that 
after years of that, they may yeah. feel like there is no value. Right. And that in particular teaches kids another really important thing that even transcends relationships, I think. It lets them show that you can still care about someone that you disagree with. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, I think, so many people in this world that feel like there's only two options. We either disagree and hate yeah. each other. Yeah. Or we completely agree and we love each other. That's right. And it's, it's the world's not like that. Uh-uh. The, one of the top marriage interaction scholars out there, John Gottman, has come up with this idea of unresolvable conflict. He said every couple has at least a few topics that they will never agree on. That's right, ever. Different values, different beliefs, whatever it is, they'll never agree on. And and that's okay, he yeah. says. As long as we are willing to still validate and support and love each other, and I think it's powerful for kids to see that. So you know what? I completely disagree with you. Yeah. And I don't think I'm ever going to agree with you, but I value your your opinion and I yeah. value you as a person and we can disagree and that's okay. I've seen people that, that have that, the, the thing they're just going to disagree on, but they have to kind of operationalize it and mm-hmm. decide. And they just say, okay, grab a quarter and they'll just flip a coin. Today we're doing it. <laughs> right. Tomorrow yeah. we're not. We're going to let – because we can't yeah. solve it any other way. But part of it is, I guess, teaching your kids this, huh? mm-hmm. having these conversations and the tension in front of them and then showing them resolution and then showing them that you're back together. Right. That you've yeah. survived and nobody died. Yeah. That the, that tension doesn't carry over. It's huge. That it's not an unresolved, long-term negative thing in yeah. this relationship or in this family that we just move on. What would you say as we wrap it up, Bri? What's the what would be the number one thing when it comes to conflict um, that that we as parents might want to remember, or that the kids need to learn from uh, us? Right. I, I'm going to go back to the the and the, again. This seems so counterintuitive. The yeah. number one thing is kids need to learn that conflict's okay. Good. That we don't hide it. That's that's probably the biggest problem I see couples do is they try to hide their conflict. Yeah. They hide their disagreements. And then, like I said, kids either grow up on one side, seeing their parents have oh, tension, yeah, yeah. and that has that negative role model that we talked about, or they grow up with this idea that marriages don't have conflict, at least the good marriages yeah. don't have conflict, and that's uh. problematic. That's Dr. Brian Willoughby right here uh, from Brigham Young University. He's an associate professor in the School of Family Life, and you can get more information on his website, drbrianwilloughby.com. I feel like that short segment was packed with a lot of great advice. I love how he started out by saying that every couple has conflict, and that is okay. It's how you resolve and deal with conflict that matters. And I love how he brought up this very simple concept that seems like such a novel idea to us. That you should tell your kids what you're doing in your relationship with your spouse. Get rid of this idea that everything has to be secret and hush-hush because they'll understand when they're adults. That's a hard thing to imagine. I mean, think back to when you were a kid. For many of us, it would be really weird to think of our parents kind of walking us through their marriage decisions. I feel like a lot of the times it felt like if we walked in on a conversation, we felt like, oh no, I've done something wrong, or I should wait on the stairs until they're done whispering or cough when I walk into the room. But Dr. Willoughby taught us that we should be open with our family members. If you are disagreeing about something and you need to take a walk, tell your kids, we are disagreeing about something, but we're going to take a walk and talk it out. And I loved when he said that when you're disagreeing in front of your children, make sure you validate your partner's thoughts so that they can learn that you can value someone you don't agree with. Wow, what a profound lesson, don't you think? This idea of modeling conflict resolution instead of just telling your kids to leave the room. 
Show them that it's okay to have conflict, but that conflict doesn't equal divorce or conflict doesn't equal violence and hatred. That principle put into practice, I think, can truly make a huge difference in the world. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode, everyone. No matter what kind of family dynamic you've been dealt, remember that there is no such thing as a perfect family and that we are all working to create our own happily ever afters. I'm Leanna Tan, bringing you the best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. Join me again next time for another episode of Matt Townsend.